Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Luke chapter 18. I want to begin reading with verse 1. told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary for a while he refused but afterward he said to himself though I neither fear God nor respect man yet because this widow keeps bothering me I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming and Jesus said Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. Father, thank you today for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the breath of heaven that's breathing over this place this morning. I thank you today, Father, that you know the heart of every man, every woman that's in this room today. And I thank you for your presence that's moving and touching and convicting and drawing. So, Father, today, Lord, I pray this morning as we release this word. Father, as we follow, God, the assignment that we've been given this morning, thank you that your word is powerful. Thank you that it will go forth with power. God, that it will accomplish that for which you send it to, Father. And Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've been thinking all this week along the lines of breakthrough. And when we think about breakthrough, 
We're talking about you having to break something in your life that has been an obstacle, that's been a barrier, that has prohibited you from reaching that place with God that you need to be. It could be it could be something so close to you as religion, tradition, legalism that has become a barrier to you. Because we're human beings, we sometimes get to the place when we're looking at God and we think that God can only do it like this. God can only move in this manner. God doesn't do like that over there. That's the reason that it's easy sometimes to come into a service, something like this where the presence of God is moving. But because of our previous teaching and, and atmosphere and environment, we don't recognize that God is moving in ways that we've never experienced. Can I tell you something this morning about God? He is unlimited in His power. He is unlimited in His ability. I've had people come up to me and say, Well, I can't worship there because all them lights, it makes me think of a juke joint. Some of y'all probably don't even know what a juke joint is. That's what the old, old-timers old used to call it. Well, he'd been in a juke joint again. Can I tell you something this morning? If you read in the book of Revelation and read about the glory of the throne of God, if you read about what John said, I was able to see that put me flat on my face before him that was speaking, you'll find that heaven is filled with multicolors and lights and all kinds of things in heaven with sound and music and worship and glory and honor and praise and magnifying Elders going around the throne 24 hours a day saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Listen, can I tell you something this morning? This worship here this morning is nothing compared to that that's going on around the throne of God. So if this here this morning makes you nervous, friend, I encourage you to get connected with God because heaven is going to be nothing like what you just experienced here. Because there's something about the presence of God that when you come into His presence, it changes things. And I believe that we're living in a culture today with people that are, that are growing increasingly more and more a hunger for God that says, I'm tired of, the, of religion. I'm tired of the legalism. I'm tired of going through the motions. I want something from God that's going to change my life. You see, the Bible tells this story of this woman 
and it doesn't even say the city that she was in, but all it says about her that there she had an adversary. That's all we know of this woman. That she had an enemy. That word adversary is also used in talking about Satan. Talking about uh, the devil as being our adversary. Like a roaring lion that roams about seeking whom he may devour. And so this woman had an adversary. She had something that was keeping her back. She had something that was holding her away from getting the answer that she needed. There was something in her life that bound her up and tied her down. There was something in her life that she had been grappling with and wrestling with and struggling with, no doubt, for years and years. And she couldn't seem to get through it. She couldn't seem to get delivered from it. It was an adversary. Can I ask you something this morning? What is your adversary? What is that in your life that you're battling with, that you're struggling with, that you can't seem to get past it? What is it in your life that holds you back from becoming what God wants you to be? Sir, can I ask you this morning, what is it in your life that that stops you from being the husband to your wife that you need to be? Ladies, what is it in your life that prohibits you from giving your husband everything you are? What is it in your life that stops us from giving our children the love and and the, uh, the relationship with God that they need? Can I tell you something this morning? Coming to church on Sunday morning is good. And getting up and worshiping is good. But listen, when you go to the house, when nobody's around you, what are your children looking at? You see, we, we've all got adversaries. Our lives are filled with things that prohibit us from getting into that place with God. And we've been talking about revival here at McCullough Christian Center for for quite a while. And listen, I believe that one of the keys to revival is when we recognize I've got this adversary, God, and it's standing between me and you, and I've got to get rid of it because something on the other side of this adversary is greater than what I've been experiencing. I want the glory of God to work in my life. So this woman had an adversary. But I want you to notice this parable because when you first read this parable, it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit different. Because Jesus starts talking about this, uh, uh, that in this certain city was a judge. He wasn't just a judge, but he was a judge that had no fear of God in him. The Bible goes as far as to say that he was, he was not a just judge. He was an ungodly man. And he didn't fear God, neither did he have respect for man. And I wonder why Jesus used this parable. 
because he was talking about pray and don't lose heart. And why did Jesus use this parable? I can understand the, the widow woman. And I can understand her need to, to be uh, uh, set free from this adversary. I can understand her burden. And I can understand her struggle and her anguish. What I couldn't understand, Jesus, is why did you put this unjust judge in there? What does he have to do with a story that you couldn't do, Lord? I mean, why didn't Jesus just say, My father, or there was a man that was a just man. He was a judge, and he was a just judge, and, and, and he, he loved people and all of that. But yet Jesus said, this unjust judge that feared not God, neither had respect to man. And as I began to think about that and, and began to, to pray about it, I believe that this is what Holy Spirit brought to my attention. He said, son, I want you to tell people. I want you to let them know. Because some of them are dealing with people, dealing with issues of people that have no fear of God and they have no respect for their fellow man. And they feel like that because they are not listening to God that, that their answer will never come. He said, but I put that unjust judge in this story to let people know that it does not matter how big the devil is that you're trying to get through. It does not matter if there's no fear of God there, if there's no respect of man there. God said it does not matter. He said the key to this story is this. The persistence of this widow woman that kept coming back day after day, hour after hour, knocking on the door and saying, deliver me from my adversary. And God said, even though that man was unjudged, unjust, God said, I'll work through that. I'll work over that. I'll go around that. God said, there is nothing that can hold back the individual that needs a deliverance and needs a healing and a restoration. The key is don't lose heart. Just keep on praying. The Bible says that, that while he refused, he afterwards said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down. By her continual coming. So I want to tell you something this morning. I want to encourage you today. And let you know. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. And it doesn't matter who you're dealing with. God is not limited God is not bound 
God is not tied up because somebody don't want to listen to him. God said, I'll break through every barrier. I'll destroy every bondage. But I will hear the cries of my people. He said, I will bring you out of that bondage and I will deliver you from your adversary. Listen, in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 10, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Notice what Paul was saying there. He was saying we don't wrestle in verse 12 against flesh and blood. The battle that you're fighting this morning, sir or ma'am, you might think that it's my flesh. You might think that, that the battle that I'm fighting is in the flesh of somebody else. But listen, I want you to understand this morning, and that's the way we do many times. We try to attack the flesh. We try to deal with the flesh. We try to work with the flesh and get the flesh to line up with the spirit. But I'm telling you this morning that God is saying, get the spirit lined up. And when the spirit gets lined up, and begins to operate according to my will. He said, I'll bring the flesh in order. So do you understand this morning that there are two areas that we deal with, two areas of contention in our lives? And the first one is this, that all of us are naturally sinners by birth. In other words, when you were born... When you came out of your mother's womb, you were born a sinner. The psalmist said, in sin did my mother conceive me. You see, that's the reason that Jesus said, you must be born again. Because we're all born in sin. And many of the battles that we're fighting and many of the struggles that we're fighting, it could have even been with this woman, with her adversary, are things that have been created within myself. Things that my actions and my decisions and my attitude have created in my own life, and they have become a stronghold, and they become something that the enemy is using against me now to stop me from getting what God wants me to have. See, these things that I was born with, unless they are brought under the authority of God and submitted to the authority of God, they will, get, they will grow stronger and stronger and stronger. There comes a place in my life that I have to recognize that my wrestling against myself is not going to get me anywhere. But I've got to stop wrestling with myself and submit myself to the authority of God. The second area that we deal with is what I call just my atmosphere. It's what I'm subjected to on a daily basis. 
It's the atmosphere that I grow up in, the atmosphere that I uh, live in, the atmosphere that I work in. We're all affected by those atmospheres. We're affected by the people that we're around. We're affected by what we hear every day. Those things affect the way that we live. Some of us here this morning, we're affected by the sins of others. You've been affected by the sins of your forefathers. You've been affected by the sins of your parents. Just as a godly parent will affect the lives of their children, an ungodly parent will affect the lives of their children in a negative way. And so we grow up in these atmospheres. And we live in these atmospheres and they become encrusted in our lives and, and, and stamped into our lives. And so we, when we, when we uh, grow up and, and God begins to want to move in our lives, it's these things that God says, I need for you to deal with this. Amen. Things from the past. Attitudes, mindsets, and things such as that. And they become our adversaries. They become the things that opposes us. Listen, I have to understand in my own life that, that you're not my problem. I have to understand that you can't keep me away from God. What you say to me might, might hurt me, but you cannot keep me away from God. You cannot stop me from pursuing a relationship with God. But what happens is myself, my flesh hinders me. Mindsets, ideas and opinions of myself hinder me from becoming what God wants me to be. But I'm telling you this morning, God's saying, I want you to break through that. God said, I'm bringing breakthrough into your life. God said, I'm, on, I'm, I'm, I'm exposing some things in your life, and I'm giving you an opportunity to break through those things. There are people that can't worship because what you've been taught in the past. There are people this morning that can't, that can't pray because of the way that you've been taught in the past. But how many of you know that, that this morning God is breaking the past and revealing the future? God is going to break the past and the chains of the past and bring you freedom so that you can begin to serve Him in the manner that He wants you to serve Him in. It's not God's will that you be bound to your past any longer. It's not God's plan for you to be tied up with yesterday any longer. God said, I want you to be free. I want you to be free to worship. I want you to be free to become everything that I've destined you to become. I was reading the other day, and I had been thinking 
along these lines of breakthrough and and getting to a place to where where I can connect with God, where I can experience His power and His anointing. Listen, guys, I want to tell you this morning that that the world that we're living in today, the culture that we're in this morning, dead religion and lifeless relationships with Him will not bring victory in your life. I want to encourage you to understand this morning that God's God's moving in this hour to bring people to a place that they can step into that destiny with Him, into that place with Him. The other day I was thinking about this and it came to my mind, worship that does not work. And as I began to think about that, the Lord began to talk to me about that worship. He said there's worship that does not work. There's worship that does not get to the place of, of deliverance and freedom. And I was reminded of the story of David when he attempted to bring the ark back into Jerusalem the first time. And the Bible says that David was all excited about it. He had the band together. He had the worship team together. He had all of his people together. And he got them all lined up into a procession. And he was excited because we're about to bring the presence of God back to its rightful place in the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says that that David uh, put the ark on a cart. It it was a cart, had two wheels, and was pulled by an ox. And it looked good because that's the way the Philistines had did it. That's the way the Philistines had hauled it around. They hauled it around on a cart, and so it looked good. And that was a new fad in town. And so David said, I'm going to put the ark of God, which represents the presence and the anointing of God. I'm going to put it on an ark, and we're going to pull it into the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says that they began to go, and and everything was going good. And listen, they were out front worshiping. They were out front. They were dancing. They had music. They had everything going good. And all was good until the cart, the oxen stumbled and the cart tilted and and a man reached up to, to steady the ark. And God slew him. Why? Listen, it was worship that did not work. And if we're not careful, we will get in a place of where our worship does not work. The Bible says that David recognized 
when he went back and consulted with his, with his leaders and prayed that the Ark of the Covenant was not meant to be hauled around on a cart, but the Ark of the Covenant was meant to be borne on the shoulders of men of God. Listen, I want to tell you something this morning. The presence of God is something that it can't be done just any old way that we think it can. The presence of God was meant by God to be carried by a body, a two-legged individual that will harvest, will that will take his presence and hold it in their life and treat it as dear. You see, God is bringing the body to a place of where we're coming back to a worship that changes lives, a worship that will impact lives in our congregation. And I was thinking about this the other day, and sorry about that rabbit trail I just got off on. I had to say that. I was thinking about the other day. There are people that have callings on their lives. They have giftings in their lives that God is saying, I want to use you. And when I say God wants to use you, friend, I'm not, te- I'm not talking necessarily about making you a national evangelist or a, a national pastor or, or, some, or a prophet or something like that. I'm talking about things that God wants to do and use you. There are lives in your neighborhood and lives even in your house that God is saying, I'm waiting on you to get to the place where you can hear me so that they can be touched. People are like dominoes that are lined up. And until that first domino falls, the rest of them will remain standing. You are that domino, ladies and gentlemen. You are that domino, sir, that God's saying, I'm waiting on you to give up doing it on your own and recognize that I am your hope and I am your peace and I am the one that will bring deliverance and help to your family. So I was thinking about that the other day. I read this story in my daily Bible reading in the book of Genesis chapter 32. I just want to share this with you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close. But it's the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24. I want to just kind of break in right in the middle of it. Jacob, Jacob was born. His name was given to him, and his name was the very name that destined him to be a deceiver and a manipulator. Even before Jacob was born, while they were in their mother's womb, there was a battle. And Jacob, even in his mother's womb, was at battle and at odds with his brother. You know the story. Jacob stole his birthright from his brother Esau, took his birthright. Of course, Esau had a lot to do with that as well. But Jacob took advantage 
of a weak moment with his brother and, and, and got his birthright. Not only that, but, but then Jacob had to leave home because Esau was going to kill him. And he went to Laban's house. And he met up with one who was a little bit more conniving than he was. And for 14 years, Jacob labored for two wives, Leah and Rachel. And even longer than that, Jacob worked for Laban, building up his riches with sheep and, and cows and goats and all of that. And all the time, Laban was manipulating Jacob. See, that's the way it goes sometimes. We're not near as good at manipulating as the next person is. God will always bring our manipulation to a place where the manipulation is not as bad, not as good as the other one. So the Bible says that, that Jacob had to leave Laban. You know the story how he did, how he did the flock and the sheep. Manipulated all of that. You know, I, I forgot how he manipulated his dad, Isaac. How he deceived Isaac to, to get the blessing. In other words, Jacob's life was a life that was filled with manipulation. It was a life that was filled with, with trying to make things happen in his own strength. But can I tell you something? That in the middle of all of his trying, Jacob had the blessing of God on his life. You can have the blessing and not be walking in the blessing. You can have the blessing on your life and not be living under the blessing. That's where Jacob was. Jacob had the blessing. God had already told him, I'm going to bless you. But Jacob was not walking under the blessing. You know the story. Jacob's sons went out, killed a bunch of men because they raped his, his granddaughter, Tamar. And Jacob began to stink in the nostrils of the people of the land. And he was running. He was trying to find a place of safety. But he was still trying to do it Jacob's way. He was still wrestling with Jacob. Hmm. Maybe I should have started right here. Because I know I'm, I'm digging in somebody's flower bed. Because you're not wrestling with anything but yourself. The blessing of God is on your life, but you don't recognize it because you're still trying to manipulate, manipulate things in order to get your way. You're, you're still trying to work things around so that you look good at the end of the day. But can I tell you something this morning? That God's got a way of getting us to a place where we can't manipulate our way out any longer. 
Jacob's fine, fine, or his final manipulation was when he knew he had to go back home. But he was afraid of his brother Esau. And so what did Jacob do? Jacob lined all of his flock and all of his family up. He said, I'm going to send some sheep and some goats over the brook first. So that when my adversary over there sees them sheep and goat, he'll forgive me. And then he said, and, and I'm going to put Leah and, and the boys next. Surely when he sees Leah, he won't want to harm me. And then said, after Leah, I'm going to put Rachel. She's, she's, she's fine. Yeah. I'm going to put Rachel. I'm going to line them up. And I'm going to stay on this side of the brook. Till they get they get my brother softened up, and then I'll make my appearance. You know what that's called? That's called manipulation, trying to fix something that only God can fix. Jacob wrestled with that his whole life, trying to figure out a way to work things out. To walk in something that God had already told him belongs to you. Listen, you inherit the blessing. You don't get the blessing by your good looks. You don't get the blessing because you talk in tongues. You don't get the blessing because your daddy had the blessing. You don't get the blessing because your granddaddy prayed for you. You get the blessing because you inherit it from the Father of Heaven that looks down and says, I chose you and I want to put something in you and give you something that you do not deserve, Jacob. And even though you don't acknowledge it, I want to give you a blessing. So the Bible says that Jacob was left alone in verse 24 of Genesis 32. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he, that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And Jacob said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. And I'm not going to even go down to verse 32. Those of you that, that were here Sunday night, we talked about the sinew. The sinew in the body. If you'll notice in that story, God touched the sinew in Jacob's hip. But here's what I want to talk about. 
Jacob's whole life story was the one trying to make things work out in his own favor and by his own strength. But yet, God brought him to a place of where he was by himself, by a creek. And the Bible says that an angel of God, I believe it was a pre-incarnate picture of Jesus that wrestled. They wrestled. Why did they wrestle? I believe that Jacob was wrestling for his own way and the angel of God was opposing him and saying it's not going to be your way. It's going to be the Father's way. And to make a long story short, there was a battle that went on somewhere around midnight or afterwards uh, by that brook. But it, listen, Jacob was wrestling. And Jacob, I believe, was saying, I want the blessing, but I want to do it my way. And God was saying, you've got the blessing, but it will not work your way. You've got to submit to my authority, Jacob. And Jacob said, but no, I'm going to do it the way I've been doing it. I just want your blessing. And God said, you can't keep doing it the way you've been doing it because my blessing won't operate through that. And Jacob said, but God, I'm going to wrestle and I'm going to battle and I'm going to prove my mind, and I'm going to prove my uh, guts and my intention. I'm not going to let go. And God said, but Jacob, I'm going to get you to a place where you will recognize that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit. Your way will not work, Jacob, and I'm going to bring you to that place. And you're in a place right now where you're right by yourself. There's nobody around you that can help you. You've got an angry brother across the creek that wants to kill you. And all of your manipulating will not do you any good. And I saw something in this story that I've never seen before. And I promise you I'm fixing to close. The wrestling took place in the nighttime hours, which is a picture to us that it's in the dark places of our lives where God begins to flesh things out in our relationship with him. It's in those dark places that you've been in, that I've been in, that God says this dark place that you're in right now, I'm giving you an opportunity to make a choice. You can either continue in the darkness or you can find some freedom. It was in that dark place. But the Bible says, I want you to notice this. The Bible says there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. I read that the other day, and man, it hit me like, like lightning. They wrestled until the breaking of day. The Lord spoke to me so strongly, and he said, son, he said, this is an until moment. He said, and I, and I began to look at that word until. And if you look it up, it simply means this, a point reached that begins a transition. They wrestled until. They wrestled to a point of where something changed that a transition begins to happen. 
And then he said, they wrestled until the breaking of the day. And that word breaking simply means an interruption in a certain course. They wrestled until. They wrestled until they reached a place, Jacob reached a place in his life that a transition was about to take place. And here's what happened. The Bible says that the one that he was wrestling with touched the hollow of his thigh. In other words, he crippled Jacob. Once Jacob was crippled, Jacob could no longer wrestle in his own strength. Now he began to hold on because of his weakness. I want to give you that again because I think it's so important. Jacob was wrestling with the angel of God out of his own strength. But if you notice, the angel said, let me go because the day is breaking. As I began to study that about let me go, I found out that the angel was saying, Jacob, let me go. In other words, quit holding on to me. This is what the Lord said. He said it was at that moment that Jacob transitioned from wrestling to clinging. I want you to get that because I believe I believe God's wanting to do that in somebody's life this morning. You've been wrestling, Jacob. And and all, listen, all of the things of your past have come down to where you are right now. And you're wrestling. You're wanting to hold on some things of the past. God's saying, I want you to let go. You're saying, but God, I want to hold on. And God's saying, no, I want you to let go. I want you to let go. I want you to, I want you to get to a place to where you're totally trusting me, Jacob. And you're wrestling with that. You're wrestling. What if, God? You're wrestling with it. And then God touches the hollow of his thigh. Most, most theologians think that, that God touched his sciatica nerve, the, the tendon on the muscle of his thigh, which affects the sciatic nerve, whatever it's called. And he wounded Jacob. Hear me now. I'm so glad today that God doesn't do that to me because I would be hopping this morning. I would be crippled. But God did that to Jacob because the Old Testament is a shadow of what the New Testament reveals. 
And so what God was doing to Jacob was this. You have been wrestling with me. But when I wound you to the place to where your ability has no more effect, and when your weakness has become my strength, I want you to walk away from this place. And when you meet your brother Esau across the creek, the first thing that he's going to notice is there comes my brother, but he's limping. I wonder what's happened to him. But what Esau, my goodness, what Esau didn't know and what Esau didn't recognize and what Esau had never realized was that the limp that, East, that Jacob was walking with was the very power that had caused him to say, I forgive you. I hold no grudge against you. That's a lot better than what y'all letting on. I know it's, it's uh, buffet time, I reckon. But it's getting to a place And that place is, I wrestle until. Jacob reached that place of transition. Now hear me and I'm closing. Worship team, you guys can come. Uh, those of you that are going to be baptized, you can go back and get ready for baptism. Here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to get. And what, what I want you to understand is this. You might think, well, pastor, you know, that's no big deal. It's no big deal with Jacob. Jacob was just a man. Jacob was just a man that wrestled with God. But can I tell you something this morning? Jacob did not know the destiny that God had for him. Yeah, he had some ideas, but he did not know that he would become the father of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. See, Jacob did not know that the hand of God was so on his life and that the destiny was so great on his life that what God was wanting to do in him was going to be not only a national thing, but a world-changing move of his power. We look at ourselves so many times as insignificant and small without realizing that we could hold the key to the destiny of somebody that's going to change our world. I think it was Billy Graham whose life was impacted. by a street preacher. Matt Gober that came here several years ago. As a matter of fact, he came and spoke at our one of our wild game suppers. 
Mac flew in. We picked him up at the airport. And he began to tell me the story of his life. And he said, Pastor, he said, I was, I was in a motorcycle gang on the streets, in the streets of Los Angeles, California. He said, I've shot people. He said, I've beat people. He said, I've done everything you can imagine. He said, I've done things that I'm ashamed to even talk about. And he said, I've done things that I can't talk about from the pulpit. He said, evil was all over me. He said, if there's ever been any man that was not deserving of the blessing of God, he said, it's me. He said, but I was on a street in Los Angeles, California, and had come out of a bar. He said, I hadn't bathed in weeks, dirty, nasty, in this gang of motorcycle riders. He said, I walked out of that bar, and he said, there was a man standing by a light post, and he said, he looked at me, and he said, Jesus loves you, and he handed me a gospel track. He said, I looked at that track. I looked back at him and cussed him and was going to throw the track down on the ground. He said, but when I went to throw the track down on the ground, he said, it would not come out of my hand. He said, I don't know if it was because I was so dirty and filthy that it stuck to my hand. He said, but it would not come out of my hand. He said, I, I did that. And he said, it still wouldn't come out. And he said, so I opened it up and began to read it. And he said, when I began to read it, he said, I read the part of, of the fact that Jesus uh, came and God gave his son, his only son for me. And he said, when I began to read that, he said, something began to happen in my life. He said things, he said my heart just began to rupture and break. And he said tears began to come down my face. He said, I gave my life to Jesus. And he said, God redeemed me and restored me right there on the street in Los Angeles, California. And Matt Gover went on to touch thousands of lives. No telling how many thousands lives are still being touched today by his ministry. You don't ever know how God wants to use you to affect somebody else's life. Would you stand with me, please? God's wanting to give breakthrough in, in our lives this morning. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need a breakthrough. Can I tell you this? This is how you can get your breakthrough. It's not my words and not my method. It's God's method. 
James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, James said this. Submit yourselves to God. That's step one. Submit yourselves to God. Then number two, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Recognize that the enemy's out to kill and steal from you. But you've got to resist him. The Bible says that when we resist him, that he will flee from us. And then number three, he said, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Number four, cleanse your hands. Number five, purify your hearts. And at the end of that verse, he talks about double-mindedness. Very simple, James 4, 7 through 8, will change your life. I believe it's the New Testament answer for the Jacobs of the Old Testament. But it all begins with submission. Lord, I come and I give you my life. I lay myself down before you today.